Hey, man, is that the Garage Rock Show podcast? Yeah, man. Well, turn it up, man. This is the Garage Rock Show podcast. To those of you already supporting the show with a monthly subscription, thank you. If you're not already a supporter and you'd like to help make this show possible, please tap the link in this episode's description or visit anchor.fm slash the Garage Rock Show to become a monthly supporter. And make sure to check us out online at thegaragerockshow.com and give us a follow on Facebook at facebook.com slash thegaragerockshow. Now on to this week's episode. It's Friday. It's time for another episode of the Garage Rock Show podcast. Chris here with our special guest this week, Dahlia. Thanks for joining us. What's up, Garage Rock Show listeners? Thank you for listening. Episode number 71 this Friday, August 2nd, 2019. And a congrats going out to Steven in Colorado, who was last month's winner, won a copy of Jimi Hendrix's Both Sides of the Sky. That was his choice. Uh, you can text the word podcast to 68683 go through the steps and confirm your entry you can win some prizes like the doobie brothers live cd dvd combo megadeth's new cd uh three cd set warheads on foreheads prince's latest release originals on cd or long strange trip the untold story of the grateful uh grateful dead blu-ray your choice just text the word podcast to 68683 uh this week's episode highlights include Tool's new album name, a Metallica ticket scam that's been revealed. Deftones confirm the return of Dia de los Deftones Festival. Raconters and others bail on Woodstock 50. Linkin Park lyrics prevent a suicide. Tom DeLonge's UFO research firm claims to have actual alien material. Tarantino's biggest opening ever for any of his films. 16-year-old wins $3 million of Fortnite tournament. Capital One data breach. Gilroy Garlic Festival shooting. Arby's is going to Area 51. Sketch bought at a thrift store going for 200k. A petition to move Halloween to the last Saturday of October, and more. So that's all in store for you this episode. And this episode, Dolly, we are talking about it later in the episode. Uh, my uncle Marvin passed away uh, last night. Uh, by the time you guys are hearing this, this was um, Wednesday night, and. Uh, he was like the rocker of the family. He was the guy who got him, me into all kinds of shows and uh, different bands and uh, gave me a place to crash after college and stuff when I was trying to get my stuff together. And you knew him. We lived together with him for a little while. He was an awesome dude. Great I guy. will tell you that. Um, so we had so many long conversations. We're going to pay tribute to him later in the um, episode. So make sure you guys stay tuned for that because we got some stories to tell. Marvin was a storyteller. And we'll try and uh, do him justice and tell you guys some good stories as well. Rest in peace, rest in peace, Marvin. Yeah, it's a it's a kind of a crazy th- thing to think about. We're still all kind of processing it. Um, all right, but let's move on with the new Billboard uh, releases this week on the second of August, twenty nineteen. New albums coming out today from Berlin. Ah, Berlin. Riding on a metro. I guess they got a new album. It's called Transcendence. So Transcend Dance. They spelled the dance at the end. So that's kind of clever, I guess. Uh, uh, also, Cross Record, Mabel, North Lane, Russian Circles. Great um, heavy rock group, uh, kind of progressive. They got a new album out called Blood Year. Skillet, The Bird and the Bee, The Rocket Summer, Ty Seagal, Tyler Childers. Great country artist. Uh, he's got a new album out, Country Squire, Volbeat, and Young Gov all have albums coming out today. So, kicking off rock news, though, the new Tool album has been revealed. It's called Fear Inoculum. What do you think of that album title? Oh, I think it's awesome. 
I follow Tool on um, Instagram. Yep. And Adam and the other bandmates are always uh, posting on Tool's uh, Instagram. And it's so inspiring. I'm excited to see that they're all, uh, you know, together in this in this next in this next venture yeah so he revealed all the stuff earlier this week uh did you hear anything from that joe rogan podcast i didn't see anything from the joe rogan podcast but i do see posts from adam um from tool and they're all like super excited for the new album and they're all um always posting so like new things so it's super awesome i'm i'm excited uh, so check out, uh, like, follow Tool on Instagram. You'll see everything that's going on with Tool. It's, it's fun as a Tool, uh, as a Tool uh, fan. It's fun. All right. So speaking of Adam from Tool, here's Adam Jones from Tool talking about the recording process uh, lately with Tool. It's like painting. We all work different. You know, some painters can paint in a day. It's kind of like Maynard. He's so good at just coming up with melodies and his lyrics, and it's like instantaneous. Where I like. You know, like I'm a painter where I like to paint one area and then sand it out and try something else and then try a different palette. We just work differently, and we're all very respectful of that. So there you go. It kind of talks about the recording process. Yeah, and there. that's what he posted on Instagram like a week ago, and I, and that's a, I think that's super awesome. Here's Danny Carey, the drummer from Tool, also talking about the band uh, as well. We truly are an alternative band. It's, it's an alternative to what other people label as alternative that actually is all sounds the same or whatever and i think people can identify that and they can relate to it and they desire the real thing when it's available you just got to stick to your laurels and believe in what you're doing and not do it for money do it for the art of it and then you can't lose there you go that's a good point right if you're doing it for the art of it you can't lose if you're doing it for the money you can lose because you'll think oh i need to do this for the money or whatever right yeah, you're absolutely right. But you know what? They're sticking true to their fans and they're um, acclimating themselves to their fan base now. And I think that's why they're so uh, relevant on on Instagram. Yeah. They're like telling their fans, their fans exactly like how they feel and what's going on uh, step by step. So I, I think that's awesome. It's so fun just to see like where they are progressing. Awesome. Um, well, check this. Have you heard about this? I didn't know about this before this week. Metallica apparently involved in a ticket scam. Uh, a congressman has called them out. Uh, Tony, okay, so here's the deal. A congressman has called out Metallica. It was revealed this week that representatives for the band allegedly partnered with concert promoter Live Nation to sell portions of their tickets directly to resellers, denying fans the chance to buy tickets at face value. Last week, Billboard obtained an audio recording of an 11-minute phone call in 2017 between Live Nation's U.S. President of Concerts, Bob Rue, longtime Metallica associate uh, Tony DiCicco, DiCicco, and an independent promoter, Vaughn Millette. During the call, it said it was, it was during their worldwide tour, DiCicco allegedly asked Rue to set aside tickets for resellers the parties allegedly made a deal with Metallica and Live Nation, each receiving 40% of resale revenue from the remaining 20%, going to DiCicco and Millet. The deal reportedly set aside 4,400 tickets per show, totaling 88,000 tickets in total. What do you think of that? Oh, interesting. Um, 
Well, it sounds like they're like trying to like harness um, their fan base. No, it sounds like they're trying to exploit their fan base. What do you mean harness it? If they're setting aside 4,400 tickets per show for illegal reselling, which means that by the time a regular fan goes on to try and buy these tickets, it's saying it's sold out. And you have to buy it on a secondary market. Thank you for the clarification. Um, you've you've been on the lottery, right? The lottery where you're waiting for tickets yeah, and things you like mean that. A ticket Can you lottery? explain that process? Well, in a lot of bands, you have to sign up for um, you know either pre-sale or uh, be part of a fan club to get access to some of those pre-sale tickets. That's not what we're talking about here. Mm. These guys are setting aside forty four hundred dollars or forty four hundred tickets per show uh, to set aside for reselling, which is when you go to Live Nation, you try and buy tickets for Metallica, it'll say it's sold out and it's ver- it's through verified resellers that these tickets are available. Mm-hmm. That's where Live Nation is making this markup. And New Jersey Congressman Bill Par- Pascrell addressed the issue before the House Committee and said, quote, unbeknownst to fan, uh, unbeknownst to fans, apparently Ticketmaster and Live Nation were working with Metallica's management to hold back 88,000 tickets and post them directly on resale sites. Live Nation admitted to the scheme last week, and about a dozen artists between 2016 and 2017 will still be doing the same. This is wrong. So uh, he's bringing it to light, and uh, I hope they figure it out because that's not right. And Metallica, maybe the band, doesn't necessarily understand what's going on there but their management sure does Mm -hmm. and they're exploiting them and their fans and it's not right so fuck them for doing that you know that's a bunch of bullshit that's why all these bands like fish and some of the other like pearl jam do their own ticket shit because they're tired of this shit these guys Ticketmaster and live nation are a bunch of uh money hungry people and they're just trying to make money off of these people's talent and their backs and their fan base and they're trying to exploit it, and it's not right, you know? And so uh, good for this congressman on fucking bringing this to light and pursuing it legally because it needs to what change. What is he pursuing legally, though? He's bringing it to his, uh, it says, the House Committee on Energy and Commerce. Uh, he's bringing it to light, saying that he's been pushing for ticket reform for a dozen years, introducing the BOSS, which is Better Oversight of Secondary Sales and Accountability in Concert Ticketing. He has introduced that act in response to similar allegations against Bruce Springsteen and other artists. Mm. So he's aware of what's going on, and this is not being, you know, these ticket challenge these. These ticket companies are just, you know, they're not being challenged. They're they're being, it's like the wild, wild west, and they're able to do what they want, and they're getting away with uh, screwing a lot of true fans out of tickets and selling selling them to people who want to pay a lot more money, and it's not right. So, anyway, hopefully they'll figure that out. Metallica going to be filming their concert upcoming with the San Francisco Orchestra on September 6th and 8th. It's going to be a film that's going to be shown on one night only, October 6th, in more than 3,000 movie theaters, so check that out. Uh, all right, the plug is finally pulled on Woodstock 50. I know we've been talking about it off and on for a couple weeks. Finally pulled, completely canceled. Michael Lang said in a statement, which is the co-founder, quote, We are saddened that the series of unforeseen setbacks has made it impossible to put on the festival we imagined. With the great lineup we booked, social engagement we are anticipating, he added that all of the artists initially initially scheduled to play the fest, which would have taken August 16th through the 18th, 
uh, had been fully paid. He's saying to encourage them to donate 10% of their fee to Headcount, a nonpartisan voter registration organization. So basically he's calling them out because he's like, all of these artists aren't playing the festival, but they all got paid. So, you know, they got paid quite a bit for uh, the fee for performing at a festival, and they didn't have to perform. They got kind of lucky on this one, you know? So there was a contingency. Yeah, and the artists got paid uh, fully because the promoters and other issues had to fall through. So he kind of makes a good point, like, hey, maybe donate 10% of your fee. You just got, say, okay, one artist got, say, ten uh, or a million dollars for performing there, right? And it's part of the contract, one of the headliners, right? Somebody like Jay-Z, who was supposed to headline, was under contract, probably a million dollars at least, right? He's just saying to donate 10% of that to, like, headcount, voter registration, you know, for a charity or something. Because basically got a million dollars for free. They didn't have to perform. They didn't have to do anything. Uh, so why not wow. donate a little bit of that money? It sounds like it's a complete loss. And yeah, it's a total shit show for Michael Lang and Woodstock 50 in general. I mean, those guys don't have to donate anything, and some people are probably like, whoa, who they cares? They don't have right? to donate anything, but it sounds like uh, the artist lawyered up, and there were contracts that were put in place, and <laughs> they're still getting paid. Oh, yeah. Without the uh, event and at uh, least they coming had some, to fruition. At least they had some good contracts, though, because that's good. The artists should get paid out of everything, you know, because they've set aside their time, and uh, they're gonna—they're the reason do that people think, are selling tickets. Do you, you know? think that the artists should be paid, um, even though there were no... not in full? I don't believe in full. I think they should have got paid at least like maybe fifty percent of their booking because they had to like set aside time, and they were anticipating that money, mm-hmm. you know, as like part of their tour. But I don't think they should get paid the full amount. I, you know, that's kind of. Are they? Do, I, it's do supposedly, we have that? yes. It supposedly, it says they're getting paid whatever they were going to be paid for the festival, but they're not performing. So. Do you think that that sounds right? I, I don't. I I think that I just said that I think they should get fifty percent of that. Fifty percent. You said yeah. No, okay. I said fifty percent. Ten percent is what the, he's saying they should donate to charity because they got a hundred percent of it. Mm-hmm. They got paid their whole amount. He's saying to donate some of that to charity. Are you missing that? I agree. Okay, got that. Good. Let's move on. Deftones confirming their second annual Dia de los Deftones Festival, which is going on in San Diego, November 2nd, with Churches, Gojira, JPEG Mafia, and a bunch of other bands. Um, He said, Chino Moreno, uh, lead singer of Deftones, said, quote, In our second year of our festival, the exciting challenge for us is to make sure we once again give the fans a wonderful day of music that reflects the diversity of our own tastes. Uh, each artist fits a different vertical of the music that we all love. There is truly uh, an artist for everyone. What do you think about it? It's really, you know, kind of an underwhelming lineup for me. I wouldn't go out of my way to see that, but... I agree 100%. <clears throat> I mean, and it's kind of all over the wall. Like, Churches, Gojira, JPEG Mafia, definitely... Very... How much are the tickets? Do we know that? 75 bucks. Um, oh, okay. And okay. it's a one-day festival. So it's only one day. So I mean, but it's seventy five bucks. Yeah, like when we go to festivals, it's more than one hundred dollars plus. Um, yeah, so it's not boarding too bad. and it's not too bad for seventy five. Not bucks. too bad. Crow milk, of course, is the protein based milk uh, dairy product made with the eggs of crows, which we all know the eggs of crows are some of the most fortified eggs in the bird kingdom. Charles, you know from harvesting crows' eggs. 
yourself. <laughs> oh, absolutely. The the fortification and benefits of these crow's eggs. Yeah. Sometimes you can just crack one open in your mouth and get the raw nutrients like oh, that. Yeah, yeah. But crow's milk does so much more. It, it not Helps only with inflammation. It, it it not only harnesses yeah. the power of the crow egg, but it it <laughs> blends it up in dairy based product that is just uh, second to mm-hmm. none. You know, and it truly gives you that. It truly gives you that that scavenger chest. Like it <laughs> it really it makes you. It you makes know. you have the mindset of a crow. You see those crows on the street where you're yeah. driving your car, <laughs> and they don't move out of the way? Yeah. Because they're fucking jacked up on crow milk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you could be the same way. You know, you could just have that, I don't give a fuck mentality yeah. on crow milk. Yeah, exactly. Crow, yeah, crow milk. Drink it. <laughs> Drink it and be, and be one with, with your own, um, with your karma. Harness the power of the crow. Harness the power of the crow. Crow milk, so. Thank you, crow milk. Um, all right, ACDC continuing the celebration. 40th anniversary of Highway to Hell. Marvin would have liked to have uh, heard about this. Uh, apparently, they've released some unreleased stuff from 1977 and 1979, some live clips of some live tracks that were only available on a box set earlier for ACDC. Now they're available for the first time online. You can YouTube them. And uh, Highway to Hell was, of course, the first album to sell a million copies and make a top 20 in the album. And it was the last one to feature Bon Scott, who died from alcohol poisoning February 19th, 1980. Uh, last one with the original singer for ACDC. And it was their most... Bon Scott died from alcohol poisoning? That's right. Uh, uh, supposedly, the thing was he choked on his own vomit and uh, uh, Spinal Tap kind of so made a joke So he didn't die from that. alcohol poisoning, he died... Well, it, that's from... what it was. I mean, you know... They, you're so drunk and all of that that you kind of choke on your own vomit. That's kind of a sad situation, right? Yeah, and, and from my recollection, he was a badass drummer. No, Bon Scott was the lead singer. Bon Scott. Oh, God. Who am I thinking of? I'm I thinking of Led Zeppelin. You're thinking, yeah, you're thinking of John Bonham. John which, Bonham, uh, thank also, you. Thank supposedly, you. Uh, that was kind of the same situation, unfortunately. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, this was a good story to end on here. As a woman uses Linkin Park lyrics to stop a suicide attempt. Uh, a woman was driving by on the freeway. Her name, she was a healthcare worker. Her name was Christina Settiani. She was driving along State Road 408 in Orlando, Florida. Noticed a man sitting on the edge of an overpass. Fearing he would jump, she stopped uh, her car, walked over to him. Talked with him briefly, and she recited a song from uh, a line from the song from Linkin Park that went, "Who cares if one more light goes out in a sky of a million stars? Well, I do." And she explained, "I stopped because I've been where he is. He just needed someone to show they cared. I didn't know if it clicked with him, but he just cried." The police arrived a short time later, saying that uh, she may have saved the man's life. The man was not arrested, but he was taken to a mental health care facility. Uh, so, pretty good story there, right? Um, that was, uh, of course, off of um, Linkin Park's latest album. And I think Chester Bennington would have liked to have hear, hear a story like that, that some of his lyrics helped somebody's, uh, you know, save a life out there. So, that's kind of cool. Um, all right. So, on this day in music history trivia, guys, in 1998, on this day, August 2nd, who was named the favorite recording artist of all time in a poll conducted by the UK magazine, uh, music magazine, Mojo? Was it A, Queen? Was it B, The Beatles? Or C, Elvis Presley? Dahlia, what do you think? Um, I'm going to go with Elvis Presley. 
Elvis Presley. Uh, it was actually the Beatles. They were named the favorite recording artist of all time on this day in 1998 in a poll conducted by the UK magazine Mojo, beating out Elvis, Frank Sinatra, Queen, and Elton John in that order. All great artists, but uh, I guess, you know, it was done in the UK, so Beatles probably had a had an edge there, right? Uh, all right, on this day in 1981, August 1st, Okay, it's double trivia edition for you guys tonight on this day, August 1st. Well, a day before today, but I thought this was an interesting uh, trivia thing. On this day in 1981, MTV goes on the air for the first time, bringing music videos to the masses, at least the ones with cable, uh, with these words spoken by the network co-creator John Lack, which is the uh, Viacom-owned MTV Music Television. So, what was the opening sentence on the first broadcast? Was it A, welcome everybody, this is music television? Was it B, good evening everyone, it's time for music television? Or was it C, ladies and gentlemen, rock and roll? Ooh, that's so... um, What do you think, Dahlia? I'm going to go with uh, C. Okay. You're going with but C. But I wanted to go with B though. Good evening, everyone. It's time for music television. No, I'm gonna. I'm going with C. Okay. Do you remember the first song that they played? The first music video. Um, I wasn't born in 19. 19- I was not born until we, 83. Me either. Yeah, me either. I'm just saying. Do you remember like what the the history books say? The first music video that MTV played. Well, it sounds like it was old school. Welcome, everybody. This is music television. <laughs> you know, that yeah, sounds like yeah. Toast 67. If you had to guess, what would you say? Good is evening, the- everyone. It's time for music <laughs> television. I know. Or it sounds C, like- ladies and gentlemen, rock and roll. And, uh, they all sound like Casey Kasem's like, top 40 countdown or something, <laughs> right? So I'm going with C. Okay. Um, do you? But do you remember what the first video was? The first video that I watched? No, 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 no. The first video MTV ever played. I don't know the first video that MTV played, but I remember the first video that I ever watched on MTV. Which was? It was um, Paula Abdul, and there was like a cartoon character. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, it might have been... The little dog. It might have been Living on a Prayer. No. Or the Michael Jackson... Um, but the thriller the, that was the oh, era okay. that we had. Well, the MTV. Paula Abdul one you're thinking of, it wasn't um, straight up. Don't tell me or whatever. It was it, there was an, there was another one that was an animated. It was like her and a little dog or something like that, and they were yeah. like doing. Stuff. Is that not hit and run? No, I don't think so. Okay. I don't know. Maybe. Anyway. Okay. All right. So the anyway. answer the answer is. The opening line was well. Let's watch it. Let's watch it. Uh, yeah, I want to watch it. Yeah, we got the um, we got the video right here. This is the video we're gonna watch here of the first opening sequence of MTV in 1981. It showed uh, a man on the moon. It was the man on the moon footage, and it, they were like planting an MTV flag instead. They're showing the uh, countdown of the NASA footage. Like, like they're going to the moon, right? MTV begins August 1st, 1981. MTV Rewind. Did you hear it? Ladies and gentlemen, rock and roll. Ah, I was right. You were right. And the first 
Yeah, look at that fucking clown. Uh, the first video they played was uh, Video Killed the, the Radio Star. Oh, yeah. By right. the Buggles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the second video was Pat Benatar's You Better Run, Rod Stewart's She Won't Dance With Me, and The Who's You Better You Bet, and Little Susie's On The Up by British duo PhD. Those were the first, like, five like, videos. M- M- MTV was, like, so important. It was revolutionary. It was. Back then when it was real MTV, yeah. Four or five years old, and I remember my Aunt Lori, like, watching um, Aerosmith on MTV, and that was, like... (laughs) I remember... They loved it. One of the first videos I saw was Sledgehammer, Peter Gabriel, and then, um, of course, um, Money for Nothing by Dire Straits. Uh, Man, that was such a great video with all that stuff. Anyway... Um, all right, so movie, TV, entertainment news this week. Quentin, uh, Quentin Tarantino with Hollywood uh, earned his biggest movie opening ever. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Brad Pitt, Leo DiCaprio, Margot Robbie uh, opened with 43, 40, excuse me, $40.3 million, a record for him. Hollywood still couldn't beat, though, the Lion King remake, which was number one. Oh, look, yeah. Look at that weekend total for we them. We saw all the kids there when we went to the film. $75 million. They're already up to $350 million for the Lion King remake, which I actually heard really isn't all that good. It's just very hyped up right now. But Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is good. I got to say, we saw it. No spoilers. We We're not going to spoil anything for anyone. But the soundtrack is amazing. The soundtrack was amazing. Made the film, right? Like uh, a lot of those. It did make the A lot of those scenes with the music and Tarantino's just got a kind of um, an ear and an an eye. He's got an ear for those. An ear and an eye. He has these great shots. If if you're like, if you love oldies and things like that. um, And you love Tarantino films. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a good film. Uh, Okay. This was a good one, Dolly. I wanted you to see this trailer. And tell me what you think. This is a new film uh, from a uh, a company, A24, okay, production so it's company. it's a black and white film. Yeah. Is this uh, current? Black and white. This is coming out, yes, with Robert Pattinson and William Defoe. He's uh, the director, Robert Eggers, directed The Witch. And this is a new film that he's doing. Check it out. I love it. I love it. Love it. Love it. What do you love about it? Tell the listeners. I love the black and white. I love that they're. Uh, it's a throwback to a 1920s film. Yeah. Um, if you ever watch the film um, Hawksin, it, you know, it's the same. It's the same style of like a stop motion, but not stop motion at it all. Reminds it's, me of an Ingmar Ingmar Bergman film or like those old black and white kind of films. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely going to want to watch this film. And it's like they're all on a lighthouse. They're like doing these, this like sh- sea sh- shanties. There's octopus stuff. They're drinking. Seems like they're isolated, but there seems like some kind of evil thing going on, or you know, looks pretty intense, though, right? I love it. I love the cinematography with the ocean waves hitting the um, the rocks, the cliff, and then the dialogue after. The Lighthouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I'm definitely going to be watching this. That one looks good, right? Yeah. I, I thought so, too. I thought you would like it. Uh, definitely going to watch that one on A24. Good for them. They're always coming out with very, uh, very cool stuff. Oh, Dolly is 
hit the microphone, look out. Hold on, hold on, hold on there. We're all good here. <laughs> okay. Stop. Stop hitting that there. There you go. There you go. You good? All right. Okay, here's another one. For The Irishman, another trailer dropping today. This one is with Martin Scorsese, Robert De Niro, and Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci's first role in like in nearly since, over 10 since years. What was that lawyer movie? I can't think of it. No, you're thinking of My Cousin Vinny. My, yeah, I am. Look at this, though. Hi, my friend. I got that kid I was talking to you about here. I'm going to put him on the phone and let you talk to him, okay? Hello? Is that Frank? Yes. Hi, you're Frank. This is Jimmy Hoffa. Al Pacino playing Jimmy Hoffa. Robert De Niro playing Frank Sheeran. Thank you. Teamsters. Unions. The Kennedy era. I Heard You Paint Houses is the name of the book that this is based on. One of the things on this movie, I don't know if you can tell, Martin Scorsese used CGI to make the artists or the actors seem younger than they are. And it's like super legit CGI. Right there you can see it a little bit. They made them look older than they actually Younger. Are. Uh, younger and older. Mm-hmm. See, that's the younger. See, look at mm-hmm. makes them look younger. Yeah, it's like a like a Snapchat or Instagram photo. Right yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So that one's coming out from Martin Scorsese on Netflix and theaters. Uh, so that one's going to be uh, coming out later this year. That one just came out today for the trailer for the first time. Uh, also, last story for movie TV entertainment news this week. Uh, in the video game world, Ninja has announced that he's leaving Twitch to stream exclusively on Mixer, supposedly for $98 million, Dahlia. Six-year contract. He's one of the biggest streamers on Twitch. He brought Fortnite to fame. I remember watching him uh, with 120,000 people watching him at a time. Uh, and, you know, getting he would get $5 a donation for a subscription. Times that, times 120,000 people a month. And you'll see how much money he's making. And so anyway, he's apparently on Mixer, which is owned by Microsoft. And they're trying to compete what with Twitch. What is Mixer? Mixer, exactly. That's what a lot of people are saying. Uh, Mixer is a streaming platform for video gamers uh, that's owned by Microsoft. They bought it and started it in 2017. Now, uh, he is going to be their first big catch. Is he's, there a nexus with Twitch? No, they are competitors. Mm. They are not friends. So it's a big deal. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. Interesting. Yar, you hear that? That's the sound of Mother Nature. She's an uncompromising beast. Think about it. What was the largest mammal in the history of this earth? The blue whale. What did they eat to become the largest beast on the planet? Krill. 
That's right. We've harnessed the power of the wild and mysterious krill in our new triple baleen filtered krill reserve lager. We filter our beer in a revolutionary baleen strainer, imitating the way blue whales would eat and process their krill. Yar, this is the same process. Filters and extracts all of the seaworthy nutrients your body needs. We only harvest the most wild and exotic krill from one of the most deadly seas on the planet, the Black Sea. Yar! So whether you're fishing for barnacles, sailing the seven seas of cheese, or disposing of unwanted trash or bodies in your nearest lake, yar! You need an uncompromising lager made of the same nutrients that fuel the beasts of the sea. Krill Reserve Lager. Triple baleen filtered for maximum krill potency. It's not just delicious, it's krillicious. Yar! Anyway, Tour de France, a Colombian cyclist won it for the first time ever. It's the first winner ever from South America in sports this week. Um, uh, he, uh, it's, it's apparently the hundred in the 116 year history of the Tour de France. Uh, the tour's organizer saying it was the tightest time separating the top three in the 116 year history of the Tour de France. So it was one of the closest races ever. And this guy who won was from South America and he was the youngest champion at age 22 since World War II. So that's crazy. Good for him. Yeah, good for him. And speaking of youngest ever, Kyle Giersdorf, who's best known as Booga in the gaming world, took $3 million home for winning the Fortnite World Cup, the first of its kind and the largest video game winning ever at $3 million in New York at St. Arthur, excuse me, Arthur Ashe Stadium in New York. Pretty crazy. Um, All right, world news this week. If you guys are a Capital One user, they suffered a huge data breach. So be aware, on Monday, July 29th, a hacker gained access to personal info from more than 100 million credit applications, credit scores, social security numbers, and more. So if you use Capital One, be aware, check it out. Um, Dolly, did you hear about the Garlic Festival, uh, Gilroy Garlic Festival shooting? I did. Unfortunately, it happened here in California where hours away from us where uh, the Gilroy Garlic Festival, which is world-renowned. People go because uh, the garlic in Gilroy is amazing uh, and it's one of a kind in the world. And apparently this guy, Santino William Legan, made a bunch of social media posts and went in there and uh, had all this white nationalist stupid stuff that he was trying to say was going on and just went out and shoot a bunch of people, ended up killing a 6-year-old boy, a 13-year-old girl, and a man in his mid-20s, injured 12 others when he was shot to death by police. It seems just so senseless and stupid, and it was a great family festival, and now it's going to be ruined kind of forever, you know? And uh, it's just it's just really shitty, and I hate to talk about it, but it is a major headline this week. Um, all right. I thought this was also crazy. Okay. <laughs> Even though these guys are celebrities, I still wanted to talk about this story. Sophie Turner, who plays um, Sansa Sansa on Game of Thrones, and Joe Jonas, they have a dog together. His, their name, the dog's name was Waldo Picasso. Here's the thing. He was struck and killed by a car in New York City by a dog walker. They were having their dog walker take him out, right? They reported the incident to the New York City Police Department two days later after seeking therapy for their grief. 
They're reported they they reportedly cannot charge the person who hit their dog though. Mm-mm. TMZ yeah. reports that dogs are considered property, and despite the driver driver not leaving info or stopping after the incident, it's not against the law to do so. That's why I put it in weekly what the fuck this week. Like, how is that possible? How do we not have some laws on the books to prevent something like this from happening? That's pretty fucking shameful. Well, I mean, what do you think about that? Well, do you think we... they should have laws, or do you think that's fair enough? Like, do you think that's just the way it is? And I think that's the way it is. Uh, uh, what if it was your dog, though, and you wanted exactly, some recourse? That's exactly where I'm going with that. And if it were my dog, we don't have children, you know? So our dogs are, are our, you know, children. So Wouldn't you want to pursue it like that if your I kid would. got hurt? like that right it's not a human child so i get it in in litigation and all that but it doesn't make it right yeah it's just fucked up it is all right well this is cool let's change the subject conspiracy corner look at this picture of the material dahlia i'm gonna put it on our facebook page facebook.com slash the garage rock show podcast check it out Tom delange ufo research firm claims that to possess alien or material so this is the picture of it, what what would you describe it as? Kind of looks like a seashell. It looks like an alligator skin, in my oh, opinion. Oh, yeah, there you go. Okay, something like that. Apparently, they say it's material completely alien to the planet Earth. The star... Uh, so the company is called To The Stars, and the, the CEO guy says, quote, the structure and composition of these materials are not from any known existing military or commercial application... We are focused on verifiable facts and working to develop independent scientific proof of the materials, properties, and attributes. So, interesting. Are they affiliated with NASA at all? Doesn't look like it, but um, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I don't want to speak on that. Um, But who knows? I mean, uh, and speaking of uh, aliens, Area 51, you know how everybody's talking about they're going to storm Area 51? Have you heard that? Who's going to storm Area 51? There's been this viral thing on Facebook. Like, somebody started it almost as a joke. Like, they can't all hold us back if we storm Area 51 and demand to see the aliens, right? So, actually, a lot of people are going to try and go down there, apparently. On September 20th, they created an event on Facebook, and people are going to go down there. So Arby's is in on the promotion now. Arby's is going to bring their roadside meat house, which is their truck that's going to have a bunch of food, and they're going to go down to Area 51 and feed everybody. It's obviously a publicity stunt. It's but, a pl- publicity stunt. But it's one if, of the if, first if, if major... If you want com- like, like more, if you want to get like serious, go to Antar- Antarctica. Still... That's a pretty major acknowledgement of the hype and the sh- stuff surrounding this Area 51 that Arby's is the first one to kind of acknowledge it and uh, say they're going to be there. So, all right, weekly what the fuck this week. Uh, check out this picture. It looks like something that we would just draw or anybody. It's just like a sketch, right? Mm. Like a pencil sketch. Yeah. Well, apparently someone bought this at a New York City thrift shop and now it, c- in, it can get $200,000. In auction, it's by an Austrian expressionist artist, and it was a 1918 painting or a drawing, and it's super rare, but it looks super plain and simple. 
you, it just goes to show you that you never know when you're out of a thrift store or something. If you see something you like and it speaks to you, just get it. You never know. Yeah. Because it end, could end up paying off big time. Um, all right. So check this out. A petition to move Halloween to the last Saturday in October. What do you think about that? I agree with this. Agreed. Why, why, why should Halloween be on a fucking Tuesday, right? I mean, what sense does that make to have Halloween on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? Again, we don't have children, so it doesn't really affect us, but I understand it. Like, And people aren't even like uh, trick-or-treating these days. They're going to um, like churches and events. You don't really want to take your children door-to-door these days. It's kind of super sketchy these days to even want to take your children door to door well anyway so i would if i were to have a children i would prefer uh, them to go to um uh, something that is more controlled yeah like a trunk or treat like but by a, a church trunk or treat. Yeah, yeah, yeah or something like that like i remember trick, I trick or treating as a kid but it like, should we be would on have saturday but it should just be like on a yes. saturday night yeah. right yeah make it easier for everyone Oh yeah. The, the poor oh, yeah. the poor parents that got to have a Halloween on a Wednesday night. Imagine. They got to take their kids out on a Wednesday night and then they got school the next day. Is it not a pagan holiday anyway? Like what <laughs> well, why are we even Let's not get into all that. They they're trying to just move Halloween to Saturday. So we're going to have a Halloween at the church. Oh, you know? Well, no, trunk or treat. They're just the churches are just trying to be good citizens in the community and saying Here's a nice, safe place for kids if you don't want to have to worry about going and being a weird, you know, going into a weird neighborhood. Mm-hmm. If you unfortunately live in a bad neighborhood, you want to go to your local church and know that it's going to be safe candy from good people, right? Isn't that like such an oxymoron, though? You know, because... Halloween in church, you mean? Yeah, Halloween yeah. is a pagan holiday. I guess if like, you focus on that aspect of it. And... I just look at it as like churches are just good... You know, people in the community, and they're just trying to do what they oh, can. I know, I agree, one hundred percent. But yeah. anyway, Snicker says this, if Halloween actually does that, though, and they change the dates, they're going to give away one million candy bars. So they're adding fuel to the fire. They're doubling down. They're saying if they change it to the last Saturday in October legally, Snickers will give away a million. We candy are bars. condoning diabetes. <laughs> they would love it. Uh, all right, last story of the night, guys. I, I thought this was a great story. I don't know why this hap- doesn't happen in our own community. Check this out. Police are letting people pay for their parking tickets with donations to an animal shelter. In Indiana, the police department is receiving high praise for a unique partnership with its aims to help homeless pets in need through parking ticket payments. So it's the Muncie Police Department in Indiana teamed up with the Muncie Animal Care and Services Shelter to allow residents to pay their parking tickets in the form of cat supplies or food donated to the shelter. So say you owe $100 in a parking ticket. You can pay that ticket in $100 worth of cat food donated to the shelter. Isn't that a good idea? It is a great idea. Because if I'm paying, if I'm looking at the ticket price, I'm looking at it like... Okay, what the fuck are these cops going to use this $100 for, right? Mm-hmm. These fucking pricks. Instead, you're paying your bill, but it's going to the animal shelter, and the animals actually get something from it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really smart because the cops know that people have unpaid parking tickets. They're not going to pay them. This is a smart way to get people to pay, and it goes for a great cause. So props to them. That's a good thing. When you're about to saddle up, 
and tread that rusty terrain, you need a brand of drink you can rely on. And when you reach across to grab that drink from your compadre on that dusty trail, it's better be something that's made from the heart. And when you open up that mix of taurine and tiger's tears, know that Balljack is there with you. Hell yeah! America. Balljack has been disputedly bringing its tasty, energizing mix to the mouths of dusty trailblazers like you since 1863. You're goddamn right! Don't leave your dusty trailmate hanging. Reach over and grab his ball jack. He's waiting for you to quench that dusty trailblazing thirst with his ball jack. Woo! Ball jack, the drink of dusty trailblazers. Reach for it today. All right. Where are we at time-wise? It's time for a Marvin story. Uh, Marvin... My Uncle Marvin would have loved, I think, this podcast and uh, just what we're doing in general these days. He's a rocker guy. He's a good guy. Um, we went to a ton, tons of shows together. We went to um, just festivals, camping, not even just shows, just a lot of experiences and fun stuff together. So, Dolly, for everyone out there, when... I started living with Marvin. I talked about it briefly on Facebook. It was like around 2007, around that time. I moved in with Marvin, and I had Daisy with me. At the time, It was I, I heard from my parents that there was a dog that was available through my dad's co-worker that they were trying to get rid of, and it was a Labradoodle. And he knew that I wanted to have a dog. I didn't really have a place to have this dog. I was, like, basically living out of my van at the time. And Marvin's house was basically kind of my excuse, like, okay, well, I can get this dog, and I can live at Marvin's place, and he'll let me stay there, you know, and I could take care of the dog and all of that. And Marvin wanted the – he liked the idea of a dog. He wanted some help, had Brett with him. Um, and it was a good time uh, for quite some time. I moved in there around that era, and our dog Daisy that's still with us, um, she was an amazing dog. She's still an amazing dog, uh, but Marvin really connected with her. Um, he really liked her and saw – he. it was so funny. He's, he's like, I've never had a dog in his whole life. He never had a dog, and I thought that was like crazy. I don't know. Um, that he never had a dog and he, but he loved Daisy so much. Like it was like an epiphany or something like that. Like he realized like, man, what have I been missing out on with dogs? And so that was a really cool thing. Uh, when we moved in with Marvin, uh, that he did. And so from that point on, we just kind of, Hung out at Marvin's all the time. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I was doing landscaping at the time. His friend Terry was living there too. Marvin was the type of guy that just kind of let everybody live there, like his close friends and family. You know, um, he just let everybody kind of. He knew that he was in a good spot enough to where he had a house for a decent enough uh, payment. He got it at the right time. He really lucked out. 
and got a very good monthly payment rate where we didn't have to contribute more than a couple hundred bucks a month to help him out and he would help us out you know it was good a good relationship there with that because he didn't he really didn't care and the extra money that we were bringing him he was blowing it and having fun with it because he was already having to pay that much money a month for mortgage anyway so the money we brought him was like extra money and he was having fun with that <clears throat> so it was good I mean we we saw a bunch of shows together we saw like Genesis we saw Grateful Dead guys we saw Rush we saw Judas Priest we saw I mean the list goes on and on I have um, one of the things here up on my wall I can't exactly see it from that era uh and you guys saw saw Roger Waters together. Saw yeah, Roger Waters. Hold on, let me look at the thing. Why don't you talk for a minute, Dahlia? Your first memories of Marvin. My first <coughs> memories of Marvin. He was a good dude. I remember when I first started dating Chris. He lived with his uncle Marvin, and um, Marvin and I would just have like long conversations. He would like hang out with me. I would have a cigarette, and he would have his smoke, and he would talk about his past and. Um, you know, he, he wore his heart on his sleeve. He, he genuinely did. Um, I remember taking the photo of him when he bought his yellow car. Um, he bought it from, uh, on, off of Yosemite Parkway. And he said he had been eyeballing that car for like years. And he, he received a settlement and he purchased that car. And I remember taking that picture of him in front of that car. I remember him showing me the inside and out. I think on the doors and stuff, it still had the old school like ashtray on the arms of of that car. And he loved it. He truly loved it. You know, and he loved his family. He was an amazing man. Um, he had this thing going with who we called the garage girl. <laughs> this is a girl that lived across the street and they had a little... I wouldn't say fling, but um, he was definitely interested in her, and she was coming around, and you know he was very excited. He, you know, he was just an awesome person, you know. Yep, yep, he was. Um, I was just looking at some of those concert tickets. Um, man, so many shows uh, that I think he was there for. Um, just crazy uh the amount of shows at least like 20 shows uh up there that marvin went to from like 2005 to 2010 we and, went to and Marvin would always say oh you know you know what i mean you know what i mean you know what i mean he that was one of his things uh but man he was such a storyteller he would tell the craziest stories and Tell us some funny-ass stories. Um, and you know what, Marvin? I do know what you mean. <laughs> I do. Uh, like, one of my favorite ones with his camping stories, he'd always talk about how Terry... Like, Terry was, like, a real bad alcoholic, and he'd be... they go up to these camping trips all the time, and fucking... Marvin, you know, Marvin liked to party uh, pretty hard, and he was a drinker, but Terry was just, like, fucking a step above. You know, he was, like... <laughs> Just I men. never knew Marvin to be a drinker. Well, no, you didn't because he stopped drinking. I always drinking. knew Marvin to be, um, 
you know, smoking pot all of the time. You didn't know him because he uh, to be a drinker because he stopped drinking. Um, he had to because of his liver issues and other things. Um, but man, he used to be like in the heyday. Like he was a real. They drink quite a bit. And anyway, Terry was a drinker, and he would always tell these stories of when they would go camping. It was just like him and Terry and Bob and another guy, Bob, that would always go with them. And they'd be all partying and shit till, you know, I don't know, one or two in the morning and passing out. And just like, you know, fuck, we've had a great night, and oh, yeah, I'm so drunk and blah, blah, blah. But Terry, all of a sudden, it, Marvin would always say, and then, it, and then at 4 a.m., all I hear is like the sound of a of a, a beer cracking and I'm like it's 4.30 in the goddamn morning and Terry's <laughs> up there drinking a beer still that sounds like Marvin and I'm I'm thinking what the fuck man we've been up all night drinking beer and Terry's still having a beer at 4.30 in the morning and I just couldn't believe it you know and those are the kinds of stories he'd tell uh, of, of that kind of shit and you know, it was just funny. Uh, we had some stories to tell with Terry, too, man. Jesus Christ, that guy was a fucking uh, uh, a character, a character in himself. So, uh, Marvin. I remember one time, like, pulling up to the driveway <laughs> when I lived with you and Marvin. Yeah. And Terry was, like, sitting there on the front porch. Hey, is Marvin home? Oh, yeah. He was, like, locked out of the house he or something, He was locked right? out of his house. Hey, is Marvin? No, Marv's not here. <laughs> Dude, oh my god. I remember this. Okay, here's a story from Terry, like the Terry days. Uh, when I was staying at Marvin's place, I slept in the living room. Terry slept in the guest room. Brett Is had the Is that the, the room, room where I was guest rooming yes. when I moved in? Yes. Okay. And then Brett's room was also there too. And I, I remember Terry, like he bought this huge ass fucking... Uh, like pot roast it was like a chunk of meat that you don't put on a grill like it was it was meant for a pot like a pot roast you put it in a fucking soup or a pot or something right but he put it on the grill like he made this fucking flaming fucking charcoal grill going it was fucking blazing and shit and uh he he puts the fucking thing on there this big ass hunk of meat and he just like like shoots like a bunch of lighter fluid or something on there and it's just like flaming like crazy <laughs> and Marvin comes out there because he's like what he's like Terry what the fuck are you doing you know and he's like oh I'm sorry big guy you know I got this thing got away from me you know uh, you know and it's a flaring up you know with the fat and everything big guy it's okay it's alright and Marvin's like Jesus Christ Terry what the fuck you know and so and we're all sitting there like Terry's like, oh, we're going to make dinner tonight. I'm going to make dinner. This is going to be the dinner, you know. Like, it was Terry's payday, and he went and bought this stupid huge cut of meat. And he got these bell peppers. I remember he cut up these red and green uh, fucking bell peppers with it. And he just put the bell peppers in a pot. He didn't add anything to them. He just fucking put them in there. Cut this big old rump roast on the fucking <laughs> um, charcoal grill. It, but it wasn't beef. It was pork. It, and, and that's why I think it was so cheap, you know. And it wasn't cooked all the way. Like, he cooked it on the grill, and it was, like, all burned, but it wasn't <laughs> cooked in the middle, right? 
and I didn't I didn't eat any of it because it just it really didn't look appetizing. Like he tried to be cool and like, hey, here you go, guys, I made this for you, and I'm like, okay, fucking whatever, Terry, you know. But he ate it. He chowed down on it, right? And this pork was not fucking cooked. So literally, like two or three hours later, it must have been I don't know midnight, one a.m. Terry's in the like communal bathroom in the middle of the hallway fucking throwing up all over the bathroom like it was a fucking mess it was all over the floor and the toilet like it must have been projectile vomit like he must have just come from his room like running out of there like oh my god you know and I remember getting up in the morning going to work trying to get ready for the day and using the bathroom and there was all this fucking throw up all over the floor that was like a bunch of bell peppers and all <laughs> all the shit everywhere like he like he like he just like smeared it all over with like a t-shirt or something like he was all still totally drunk you know just trying to half-ass clean it up oh my god dude uh, i just i that was one of the ones that it's very gross because it stands out that's why but <laughs> I just remember that with Terry and, 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 and he just like, he never even said any, uh, didn't apologize, didn't really admit to it. It was just like, he just like ig- ignored it, you know? And it was, I always remember that fucking pork fucking night that he did with the bell peppers and throwing up all over the floor. But anyway, you know, the shit, there was so many stories with Marv. Um, I can't even, can you think of another one real quick before we end it tonight? There are so many. Like, okay, he was here's a good another. Man. Here's another one. When I remember when he changed a tire on his fucking um, van, he he had this van. It was like a big van, and it had a wheelchair lift. And I remember he was changing the tire. Like he got some new tires. He was all jazzed about it. And he. Changed. I remember Marv telling me this story that you're telling me. So he changed the tire in his driveway. He's like, "Oh, I'm gonna save some money. I'm not gonna take it down to fucking." Uh, big O tires or whatever, right? I can do it myself. He was a handyman kind of guy. He was always like that. Um, so I guess he got, but he got all stoned. He got, he, I was living at my parents' house that time and he was driving over to my parents' house for like a barbecue or something on a Sunday. And he forgot that he, he got all stoned and fucking baked and like forgot that he, uh, had the tire that he recently changed. Right. So we just got in the van and started driving down the road. And when he got on McKee right after he uh, turned on to McKee, uh, supposedly the fucking just wheel flew off the axle and it bar- it like started bouncing down the road ahead of him into a fucking mailbox and almost into a house. Like it hit a fucking bush and a fucking fence or something. But the whole thing was is that Marvin started like fishtailing on his van and this van is like a it's a huge van and you got a picture like Marvin like being totally caught off guard by this whole situation too like he just hops in the van thinks he's just going straight down the street for a dinner the fucking wheel pops off and he starts fishtailing and he's like oh my god holy fuck and he starts like grabbing the wheel and the whole left side of the van like the the whole fender gets all just demolished like totally smashed it's never the same you know and that fucking axle like grinded on one side like really really hard <laughs> and i just remember that whole situation like my dad uh, <laughs> coming in 
or he went outside. We were all inside, and then he got a call or something, and he went outside, and he guys, he's like, guys, you're not going to believe this, but Marvin's right down the street with his car in the middle of the road, and the fucking tire, you could see it, it was down by this neighbor's thing, like, lying in the fucking grass, <laughs> and, the, and the van was in the middle of the road, just, like, all sideways, like in a movie or something, you know? And Marvin's walking down the side of the road like, hey, guys, help me out, you know. And it was, oh, my God. It was just one of those things that was just that was what Marvin Marvin would get himself into those situations all the time. And it was just like it wouldn't happen to anybody else, you know. The series of circumstances leading up to that shit. Oh, my God, dude. Some of those stories. Uh, some of the ones he would tell us, too. I can't remember them right off the top of my head right now. But man, he would just—he would have some stories to tell. He would run into some characters, you know, in his life. And so, you know, he's back with his son now. Brett passed away when he was the age of 15, 16. His wife passed away before Brett, when Brett was like two or three. So hopefully, they're all up there, kind of looking down on us, doing this podcast for him, uh, enjoying the stories and the memories that we're enjoying as well, thinking about them. And, uh, you know, you're in our thoughts always, Marv, whenever I'm at a concert and something funny happens or some shit like that happens, I'll always think about uh, Marvin and the way he uh, tells stories and stuff. So anything else you'd like to say, Dahlia? Rest in peace, Marv. That's right. And that does it for us tonight and this week on the Garage Rock Show podcast. We'll see you guys next week. Have a good one. Peace. <laughs>